Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome on in. Huge show today. Stuff actually happening in the world of the Kansas Jayhawks and the Kansas Jayhawks roster. So really exciting stuff. Uh, come on in. Hope you're having a great weekend. Looking forward to the last week before Memorial Day, which I guess is like the signal that like summer is right around the corner. It's almost June. Oh my God, can you believe it? I cannot. Uh, I also know that Memorial Day is supposed to be a bit more somber so that being said um i'll tone it down but you go have a great week leading up to your three-day weekend you've all earned it well not quite yet you will have earned it by the time we get there (laughs) and as always thank you so much for listening you know it takes a lot and it takes dedication to get through the dog days of the college basketball offseason and we are Right about at the edge of the full-blown woof-woof dog days of college basketball. This is still pretty much a this is still a pretty interesting time because the NBA draft combine just wrapped up. So stocks are going up, stocks are going down, stocks are staying right where they were beforehand. We'll have announcements by June 1st. So it's right around the corner on who's coming back and who is staying in. And yeah. After that and after the NBA draft, then we'll really be like, oh, okay. We're counting down weeks until November. But this is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. That's probably not good radio and good podcasting to take that long to get the show title out there. But let's be honest. If you're listening, you know the deal. Uh, Believe Network, the Believe Entertainment Network, your number one network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Here's what I believe. Been a a long week for me. I went to New York City from Monday through last Thursday. The Big Apple actually stayed mostly in the borough of Brooklyn. Not a lot of time in Manhattan. Never made my way over to the main part of Manhattan. You know, the Lower East Side, Central Park, uh, the Upper Upper West Side, whatever the kids call it these days. Well, that is what they call it. I just don't know the main parts to say in Manhattan. No Times Square, like I said last week. Uh, first time I had ever been to Brooklyn. Uh, shout out Delta. Completely ruined my trip. Yeah, I spent 10 hours sitting on an airplane. I know I shouldn't do this. I know no one enjoys the airplane airplane society the airplane world we've all been screwed over by them one way or another over the course of our lives if you've flown anywhere but it was pretty exorbitant this time around 10 hours at least sitting on an airplane was supposed to take off 7 45 a.m uh pulling away the captain goes uh um, yeah something's showing up here a little weird we're gonna go back to the gate get this fixed up 
I took a little cat nap. Next thing I know, as we're taking off, it's past 10 a.m., about 10.20. So, of course, by the time you get to New York, you're three hours late. They're like, at JFK, uh, we ain't got no gate for you. You're supposed to be here three hours ago. But, you know, it's in a more gruff New York tone. There's no gate here. So, sat on the tarmac for another hour. Eventually got to the hotel about 9 p.m. when it should have been there about 4. So that threw everything off. Um, you know, driving in, of course, saw a rat cross the street. It was very polite, though. Said, thank you for waiting for me. Uh, beyond that, though, saw a few more rats as I went for a night walk around Brooklyn just to get my legs stretched, get the, get the blood flowing. So things are going well. Things are going well in the city. <laughs> New York's just a different animal, though. And I know a lot of people are saying, you grew up in Los Angeles. You're, you're really talking about big cities and New York is crazy, this or that. It's like, yeah, they're different places, right? New York is a lot. I sort of dig it, though, in terms of the... There, there's definitely urban squalor. <laughs> like, that's New York's theme. It is urban. It is city. It's, it's tired. It's an, it's an old place, right? But that's sort of the charm, right? Like, I know it's a little bit more glitzy, a bit more glamorous. So there's a bit more of a veneer as you as you make your way over to Manhattan in certain parts. But still, the brick, the metal, the rust, you know, the litter, the massive amounts of people everywhere, the constant movement, there's no quiet ever. You know, I kind of get it. I would never live there. I couldn't. I could never live in New York City. That being said, someone who does, my sister graduated with her master's uh, from NYU. So congratulations to her. She does live there. I don't know how. It's remarkable. Uh, had, you know, the smaller school celebration and a beautiful theater in basically the very most upper north part of Manhattan, like the top part of the borough above Harlem. I don't know the map. This is, I'm just quoting verbatim what I was told where we were. I don't know the map. <laughs> and uh, the big school, the whole graduation for everybody, every single school, Tish, you know, the silver school, uh, the, the liberal arts students, all of them, the med school students, the overarching graduation was held. This was pretty cool at Yankee Stadium. So that was a fun experience for me. Huge baseball fan. Uh, have never actually seen a Yankee game in person in New York. I've had a chance to see them elsewhere once or twice. But to be in the house that Hideki Matsui built was really special. <laughs> and special guest speaker getting her honorary PhD was Taylor Swift. And for what I understand, that was a pretty viral moment online. All the Swifties knew it was happening. Uh, I am not a fan to be completely honest, I thought her speech was self-gratifying. Not great. For someone who has profited and had her songs based off of all of her ex-relationships, she once again made her speech or had moments in her speech about her ex-relationships, even though she was getting an honorary doctorate. <laughs> PhD in being petty, am I right? But overall, wonderful experience. Again, Delta screwed me on the way back. Sat on the tarmac for an hour once again when I got home. So 
was the lasting memories. In terms of the pizza, my mother brought me some pizza as I had such a rough day last Monday, but it was not Vinny's on the corner or Johnny's or Emilio's. Uh, it was maybe a step up. We call it bougie pizza fuel, but so wonderful. And anything else in terms of classic New York? No, I, I don't think I did anything too classic New York. Brooklyn is as hipster as they say, especially the neighborhood uh, that I was in, that I was staying in. I think I saw the most John Lennon circular glasses I'd ever seen in my life. Certainly the number I saw was equal or greater than the amount I had seen up to that point in the years of my life. Loose baggy pants some fun mustaches, a lot of ironic tattoos. Was there a lot of newspaper boy hats? No, I don't think it's the season for that. So yeah, the hipsters were out and they were strong. So that's my life. That's what that's what the week that was. Let me know what's going on in your life. What's going on with you? <laughs> you up. <laughs> Twitter at Joe Nasty 90. Instagram, Jonas N310. But this is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Your Believe podcast. Your Believe podcast. Yeah. About the defending national champions in the sport of college baseball. Meaning we should probably talk some Hawks. So humongous news as Kansas has gotten the signature of someone that I think will be on the roster next year. The free agency period, if you want to call it that, which I think is fair, of college basketball is in full swing. And the player ranked ninth in ESPN's top transfer targets has said he is coming to Kansas. That's called a tease. I'll tell you who it is in just a second, how it impacts the roster, depending on the news out of Chicago, which I think is a bit more pertinent as we really start to put the bow ties and talk about the guys that are staying or leaving. Now, if you're a diehard Jayhawk fan, and as I sit here over the weekend recording this, you know who I'm talking about that said he's coming to Kansas. If you're a Jayhawk fan but isn't sitting there on Twitter 24-7 or getting the updates, then you perhaps you don't really know this info. You listen to the show for your Kansas updates. So I'll tease you on that, make you listen to the whole episode. But let's give you a quick update on what went down in terms of the NBA draft combine. Kansas had three players there. They had Jalen Wilson in the G League camp, which I'll get to in just a moment. I had some people tell me that they were a little confused about what was going on with Jalen Wilson. And then Christian Brown and Ochai Baji, but I'm not going to focus too much on Ochai. He's staying in the draft. We know this. There's nothing more we can do. We'll probably do some goat talk, greatest of all time, or at least greatest Bill Self players of all time, when we're really getting a little sick of the summer months. Where has Ochai moved since his run? We'll get to that, perhaps. So I'm, I'm not really going to touch on Ochai and his measurements and how he performed. He's staying in the draft. He's likely to be a first-round draft pick. God bless you, young Ochi. Stay handsome. But Christian Brown, whose measurements came in, and he's got a negative wingspan, which I did not expect. I thought Christian Brown had pretty good length for being on the perimeter. I thought the athleticism and length would play, and it turns out the kid's got a negative wingspan. What does that mean? That means he is taller than his wingspan of his arms. So the measurement 
of his arms going side to side. Put yours out. Let's feel it. What's your wingspan? Fingertip to fingertip. That is a less amount than the inches of his height. Other notable players with a negative wingspan. Old dinosaur arms, Sviatoslav Mikhailuk. <laughs> yeah, Svi had a negative wingspan as well, and that was huge news coming out. And as we've seen, his NBA career has been, you know, he's been in the NBA. That's, which is good. But he hasn't been an impact player. Now, Svi and Christian Brown, much different characters, right? That's not to say that Christian Brown's not going to have a nice, healthy NBA career, but negative wingspan is not looked upon favorably in the NBA. So Christian Brown did have a very solid NBA draft combine. The competitiveness came out. Bill Self was up on the desk on ESPN talking about Christian Brown as he was out on the court. And, you know, the, the famous quote is out there now where Bill told ESPN, he, he said to Christian, uh, go have a good combine. Have a good combine, have a good scrimmage. And Christian Brown responded to him by saying, I will, <laughs> or you know I will, something like that. It was something cocky, a little prick. But Brown has showed out. Uh, first day, he sort of filled up the stat sheet, did his usual, a lot of rebounds, good defense, a couple assists, only six points. But in day two, 29 minutes of a combine scrimmage, he scored 17 points on 7 to 17 shooting. Not efficient, but, you know, 17 points. And perhaps most impressively, excuse me, my voice is giving out on me at the worst time. Three of eight shooting from three-point range. Couple rebounds, couple steals, an assist. Now, the three-point shooting is probably what NBA teams are going to look at most. I've talked about it on the show. He's got that long release. He's got that little hitch in his jump shot. He's got that long release that makes him, even though look like he's wide open, it causes him to perhaps feel he's less wide open because he knows how long it takes to get a shot off. And if a player is a certain amount of space away, he knows it can be closed down based on the length of his jump shot. I'm not sure if I explained that well. It takes him a while to shoot the ball. Even if he's wide open, he knows he can be closed down quickly because it takes him a while to release the ball. I think that's a better way of saying it. But he shot three of eight, got his points, saw a good dunk where he then yelled at nobody afterwards. So Christian Brown seems to have solidified himself as an NBA first-round draft pick, and if that's the case, go get it. If he gets the info between now and June 1st that he can be an NBA first-rounder, he's got to go, right? And you can't really fault the kid unless he really just feels like he's got to come back and be a college student and he's got to go for a back-to-back -back national title in a year where Kansas at the moment, you know, is sort of buried towards the, the bottom of the top 10. You've got some other superpowers really gearing up. Not that Kansas can't win it next year. You know, there's no point at all last season in the championship winning season where Kansas was ever once ranked number one in the polls until the poll that mattered. Oh yeah. The one after the last game of the year, but we knew it was a good team. 
And to, to be honest, I, I really don't know what else Christian Brown could do. All of his improvements probably going to come from dedicated NBA practice and coaching. But there's also NIL money. That's the main thing. Is the NIL money and the college experience and perhaps going back-to-back worth passing up a potential NBA first-round draft? We'll see. Jalen Wilson, though, is the interesting situation. I still believe he's coming back. But his stock went from probably undrafted, maybe a second rounder, to now being, yeah, he would be drafted in the second round to fringe first rounder. Probably wouldn't get drafted in the first round, though. Makes, again, his decision a little bit more interesting. Now, I said last week that he was going to the G League camp, and he did. And he tore it up. He scored 18 points, six rebounds, and three assists on the first day of the G League camp in their scrimmage. And then on Tuesday. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I got it. I got it mixed up. It was the 18.6 rebounds, three assists on Monday, 13 points, three rebounds, two assists on Tuesday. That's what it was. So th- that's a classic Jalen Wilson line, right? especially that 13-point game on Tuesday. Bunch of rebounds, bunch of assists, rebound, take the ball to court. We know the deal. I thought the most interesting stat, though, coming out of his G League camp was that over those two games, he shot 7 of 11. 7 of 11. Always ready. From three-point range, which was probably his least consistent part of his game, Last year, there's always the transition. There's always the good passing. There's always the willingness to at least get in there and try and rebound. It was the three-point shooting that sort of came and went for Jalen Wilson. But 7 of 11 from three, a relatively efficient 10 of 19 overall, and four or five from the free throw line over two days, not bad. So that actually earned him a promotion. He got sent up to the big camp, to the big combine. And he had a tough time. He went two of 10 shooting and only one of three from three-point range. Now six rebounds, six assists, and also a steal, but also a couple turnovers. So Jalen Wilson had a bad big camp, but a really good G League camp. Now that can be read basically however you want. Jalen Wilson, not ready for the show. Jalen Wilson, maybe at this moment, is a G League type of player. He's a developmental guy. You could also say Jalen Wilson, maybe signs of fatigue, nerves, right? Guy goes out there, has a full G League camp, full two days, then is asked to go and play against guys and perform against guys who hadn't yet stepped on the court yet, a little bit fresher, and going up against a different quality of player as well, if we're being honest. So you combine uh, quality of opponent plus fatigue, probably not going to get you very good results. Plus, maybe just not ready. 
who truly knows he'll still go have some workouts. He'll get the information and he'll make his decision. Again, Ochai Abaji not coming back. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> but that's the news. That is the combine news. And it's a big deal because I believe that Christian Brown is probably 95%, probably greater than that, going to stay in the NBA draft. That's my just that's just my gut. I'm not talking with anyone. I'm not texting with anyone. That's just my feeling. That's just my gut. That's me trying to read the tea leaves. I think Jalen Wilson is probably 60-40 coming back to school. These are some big NBA individual workouts for him, though. Like, maybe he was fatigued. So maybe he rests up, he gets out there in a team, sees all the tools, sees all the potential, and they're like, yeah, we'll take you. And is that enough for him? So I put him at 60-40 because I do believe his NIL deals could perhaps make up for the money he's unsure about should he jump to an uncertain draft situation. We'll see. We shall see. And all of that leads to another now potential Kansas player who will have an NBA draft decision on his hand. But I think he is like 98 to 98% coming back to school. And meet your newest Jayhawk in Kevin McCuller. Who is that? First, let me tell you, if you have any opinions, if you have any questions, if you have anything to say, Reach me online, Nasty 90 on Twitter, JonasN310 on Instagram, as this is a pretty massive bit of news, I believe, for the Kansas Jayhawks. Kevin McCuller, earlier this week, announced he is transferring to the Kansas Jayhawks should he decide to leave or should he decide to withdraw from the NBA draft process. Kevin McCuller is transferring in from altogether. Texas Tech. And I love this move. I have long admired his game from afar. And it's really from afar when a guy's playing out in Lubbock, the outpost of the Big 12. And this is one of the best, the best defensive players in the country. Not only just because of the program he comes from, Texas Tech now for several years running, as nasty, gritty, tough to play against defensively as there is in the nation, starting with the Chris Beard teams, coordinated by their current coach, Mark Adams, and he continued it last year. He was a semifinalist for the Defensive Player of the Year just a season ago. And this is a 6'6", 210 player who has Big 12 experience, who knows the toughest conference in America. He has been in it. And he's been around it for four years. He certainly knows Bill Self in Kansas, or at least he knows their team and their system. And it just feels like a Bill Self type of player. I think you've seen that a lot online, but I completely agree. He's versatile. He's improved as he's been there over the years. This is not a game breaker like I expected Remy Martin to be. 
coming in, but I do think this could be potentially as impactful of a transfer in different ways. I thought Remy Martin could come in and be a spark plug and be that ball handling scoring point guard that Kansas so desperately needed. And he was that when he figured it out in one month of March and off the men, off the bench, mind you, but Kansas doesn't win the national championship without Remy Martin. I think we all agree on that. He was hugely important throughout the tournament, but Kevin McCuller flip it to the other side of the ball is an impact guy defensively versatile at six, six size girth ability, mental game. He knows how to play defense, and he can put the biscuit in the basket if he needs. Wildly consistent. Last two seasons, let's just call it 10 points per game. Last year, 10.1. The year before that, 10.4. He gets you around four to six rebounds per game, and he's durable. 29 games played in the 1920 season. Only 20 games played in 20-21, but of course, that was the year one. Who knows how many games the team played with cancellations, postponements, this, that, whatever. And last year, once again, 29 games played. So, there's another little note about Kevin McCuller that I kind of want to, this is sort of, it's a bit of a reach to get you excited for him. But he was down to two schools to transfer to. And I will let you know why I think it's a big deal that Kevin McCullough came to Kansas. I've talked about before, when you're looking at recruits and you really want to gauge the quality of a recruit, something, sometimes what I do is I'll see who else was chasing him. So if Kansas signs a recruit and you get all the hubbub. It's like, yes, we've got ourselves a fun point guard, four stars, or, you know, this is a kid that I've heard so much about. Can't wait. And you see that, you know, he chose Kansas over, I don't know, Mississippi state, whatever. He chose Kansas over a school. Like, I don't know, even in conference, right. Over like Texas tech, whatever. Cool. Wow. Kansas stole a recruit from mid-tier programs. I shouldn't say that about Texas Tech, but it's hard to recruit the Texas Tech. I think that's it's fair to say that. Mississippi State, maybe like Washington State, not that Kansas competes for recruits with them, but you get the idea of what I'm saying. I'm choking on the moment. I can't think of other schools. Vanderbilt. It's like a mid-tier ACC program. Something like that. So Kevin McCullough's choices came down to either Kansas or Gonzaga. And he chose going to Kansas or transferring to KU over the Zags. Now, first reaction, you're saying, yeah, okay. He wanted to go to Kansas over Gonzaga. That's a big deal. Gonzaga is a perennial powerhouse. Yes, we have our fun with them. Yes, they don't win the national championship. They play in a secondary conference. Actually, they wish they were a secondary conference. (laughs) The West Coast Conference is a poverty conference. 
but we can admit that Gonzaga is a very good program and a very good team. Wow. Okay. So he wanted to go to KU and play for Bill Self over Mark Few. But there's another thing. Part of what Gonzaga does is they, sort of along with Iowa State under Fred Hoiberg, were really at the forefront of being transfer universities. Yes, now Gonzaga is recruiting at a national level, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs, what have you. But for a long time, Gonzaga was doing this with transfers. Think of like Kyle Wilcher, transferred from Kentucky to Gonzaga, had a great season. Even this past year, their point guard, Nemhard, transferred from Florida. Few has been playing the transfer game for a while. And for Kevin McCuller to be like, okay, the powerhouse transfer program wants me to transfer to their school. And he still chose Kansas. I think says a lot about how he feels about joining this team. And it says a lot that the powerhouse transfer program in Gonzaga was hot and heavy for Kevin McCuller. Now I could be sitting here. And at the end of the year, he could be doing nothing and he hasn't adjusted, sort of like we felt about Remy Martin midseason. Maybe he just wanted to stay closer to home. He's a Texas kid out of San Antonio. He's out there dabbling just a little bit. I'm going to leave my home state, but, you know, I'm not going to go too far. I'm just going to go to Kansas. Two states up. And I could be beloviating, and he just stays in the NBA draft. I don't think he will. He's not that good. (laughs) So there you go. Big roster news. Kansas potentially adds a new friend to the mix. I think he slots in perfectly. And you bring in Jalen Wilson. That's a lot of versatility. That's two guys who sit there at 6'6", up to 6'8", and can guard basically one through four. And you pair. This is also what you probably saw a lot of online. You pair Kevin McCuller with Dewan Harris. And wow, that is quite the defensive vice grip of a team. One guy in the post slash on the perimeter or on the wings, another guy in Dewan Harris at the tip of the spear defensively. That's some, uh, I, I was about to say that's a good D. I said it anyways. So Kansas looking at perhaps a different style of team. Maybe we'll get into this. Should Kevin McCullough come to school? But my one big query, if you will, the question I'll pose is, do you really want to be an all-time great defensive team in order to go for the championship? Because your food for thought as we head into the new week is, what won Kansas the national championship last year? Was it their stellar defense? God, no. They eventually got into like the top 25, top 15 of defensive teams, and that is the game changer, but it was their offense that made them a title favorite. And even though defense wins championships, no national champion, and I forget the exact number, and I should have researched this before firing it off, but certainly no national champion for like the last 15, 20 years has been lower than something like 15th or 20th in terms of offensive efficiency, offensive numbers. 
You still need to be good offensively. And as Kansas's roster starts to clarify and we figure out who's here and who's playing, we'll start to get into the questions of this year's roster. Because right now, it looks like a lot of offense is going to be depended on from freshmen. Oh, the old buzzword in college basketball. So thank you for listening as well. Again, have a great week coming up. Have that great week leading up to your three-day weekend. I will speak to you next weekend. Take care. Stay safe. Now, there's still a lot going on out there. It's in New York City. A lot of people, a lot of weird breath. You never know who's breathing on you. So far, still feel fine. I swear, I'm probably this is gonna come back to bite me, but I have just been Teflon from this disease. Never tested positive. So I'll be out sick next week after saying that. <laughs> have a great week, everyone. Uh still bask in that glow of the national championship. And as always, rock chop. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.